0: Guys, Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show. It is Tuesday, uh, December 20th, 2016. Welcome to the show, everybody. Question. Are you living an awakened life? And what is an awakened life? Well, we're going to talk about that uh, in Lessons of Love with our special guest, Master Charles Cannon. He'll be out in a few moments. Um, And he's got a fantastic book called Living an Awakened Life, The Lessons of Love. But first, let's, uh, let's talk about what's going, out, uh, going on, rather, out in the world and uh, in your guys, guys universe right now. Um, it's Tuesday, as I mentioned, December 20th. We usually use the shows on Wednesday, but we're doing a Tuesday this week because of the holidays. And uh, speaking of which, you know, it comes upon us so quickly that it is uh, S- Christmas is Sunday. Uh, Hanukkah, I believe, was last week and uh here we are and we've got kwanzaa and boxing day and all kinds of other holidays coming up this is just that time the new year's this is just that time of the year and hopefully you know i know everybody's uh claims to have had a rough 2016 but are there's there are some things to be thankful for we're here hopefully you're healthy hopefully you have a roof over your head you have running water you have a place to sleep hopefully you have a employment. Maybe not, but still there's other things to be thankful for. So just keep that in mind when we get towards the end of the year and everybody's complained about all the stress and the strife of 2016, similar to the way they complained about 2015 and similar to the way people are already complaining about what's looking forward uh, for 2017. But I got to tell you, you know, it starts on the inside. If you can come to terms with yourself from the inside and start to be appreciative and full of gratitude, then you're in a good position. And if all of us can be that way, all of us can start being happy from the inside out. We will send waves of positive energy across our planet and it'll help. It'll really help uh, uh, other people. You know, the, the positive energy emanating from one person can affect so many others. So when you think you can't be the change, Think again because you you are the change and the change begins from within. So a little guy's guys' wisdom to start out the show. So what's been going on this week? Well, as I mentioned, we've got Christmas coming up on Sunday. I was a Christmas baby. I was born on the twenty second of December. So people say, Oh wow, did you get uh, the short end of the stick for Christmas? And actually the answer is no. I usually got back to back presents. Maybe I got money and then I got a present on Christmas. It was kinda nice to kick off the season by having your birthday three days before christmas it's not like christmas eve it's not like christmas it's not like the day after christmas or december 30th or something like that i was lucky and uh, the 22nd is actually it's a really good day to have a birthday so i'm looking forward to it i know as we get older we don't look forward to birthdays as much because of the number involved but the fact that we're here another year is certainly something to be thankful for um if you are a guy's guy and you're a Football fan, this is the the week when you usually have the fantasy football championship games. I've been playing in a league with some guys I worked with in advertising, and we stayed in touch and uh, we get together every September, August, late August and have our draft. And uh, somehow, I was in a four-way uh, tiebreaker in the last game of the season. I had a sub-500 record, and I managed to have everything fall into place the last week of the season. And then I won the first playoff round and then I won the second playoff round. And now I'm actually in the championship game against a guy in my league who I think his record is 13 and one, but we'll see anything can happen. And I actually feel really good about my chances, but I'll let you know next week. Elsewhere. uh, People are freaking out because uh, Donald Trump got his 270 electoral votes officially. So he is going to become our president. And, uh, It's scary because, you know, when you really think about it, uh, he's a very different type of individual to become president. People compare some of his uh, behavior and way he's managing things similar to fascism and tyranny. And uh, let's hope that's not the case. I'm waiting to see some kind of circumspect behavior. And instead of trying to deal with China, uh, saber rattling with tweets I mean, this is, you know, it's serious business. And uh, I don't think uh, maybe you can keep uh, uh, some of the other folks around the world off balance, but you don't want things too off balance because it's a very fragile situation we have around the world. And so many countries have the ability to just destroy the world. in in many ways, nuclear, as well as the environment, as well as economically. And uh, the, ultimately, I think what has to occur with our president elect is he has to have the epiphany at a certain point that he is in a entering a service of his country. This is not about, Oh my God, I got all of I got all the marbles and I, uh, I can just take advantage of everything and exploit It's that would be a very sad situation. So I think there's going to be one of the good news uh, about this change is that the everybody's going to be aware of what's going on and everybody's going to be watching his decisions very closely. So we'll see and we can hope and send out positive energy that, you know, this is a guy that got put into power based on our collective consciousness. And so we, we have to, something we're going to have to deal with. And, uh, let's just hope people can be safe, healthy, and we maintain positive, uh, friendships throughout the world and make some peace in areas where we need to uh, rebuild some bridges. So we'll see what happens. Best of luck to all of us on that. Um, So this is Guys Guys Radio. And as you know, the whole Guys Guys movement is about when men and women can be at their best, everyone wins. I mean, really, it started with my novel, The Guys Guys Guide to Love. If you need a last minute Christmas gift, stocking stuffer, you can check out the book. It's a novel. It's called The Guys, Guys, Guide to Love. You can find it in some bookstores. It's probably easier to get it online. Amazon always has a good price on it. You can get the digital download or you can get the physical book and uh, you can check out the reviews there also. Um, then we started Guys, Guys Radio about 200 or so podcasts ago and we've been doing great. We're booked through next March. We're getting a lot of uh, folks in the relationships field. we get a lot of spiritual writers and, and metaphysical personalities like our guest tonight. And um, we also have entertainment people and sports people and people in the fantasy sports world also. And it's all about better men, better world. And, you know, me, you know, I'm just a regular guy on a spiritual journey living a regular life. And it's all about how can I help? So I've gotten such a great education from uh, some my guests that uh, I'm just helping spread the word. And that's part of my mission. You can catch me on my website, robertmanny, M-A-N-N-N-I dot com. I'm on Facebook, Robert Manny author, uh, Twitter at Robert Manny, YouTube, Robert Manny author, and all podcasts of Guys, Guys radio are available on iTunes, Blog Talk radio, Stitcher, TuneIn radio. And I believe we're going to get on Google play this week. Um, And I would ask you, my friends out there, uh, and all of our guests to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast through iTunes. That would be a big help in spreading the word out there. And if you want to help me, because I'm bootstrapping this entire movement is to buy my novel and get a start there and then subscribe to us here on guys, guys radio and read my blog. Now, as I do every week before I bring the guest out, I have a very quick segment, which I call the guys, guys guide. And the guys, 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 we talk about, um, we talk about a recent blog post. So I just did one for, uh, that got uh, syndicated on Cupid's pulse. I'm just going to talk about it very briefly. So this week's guys, guys guide is about the question, uh, does love at first sight exist? You know there are studies that show that the phenomenon known at love at first sight is possible. You know we're all connected on a spiritual level, but it be, can be argued that people actually can know someone almost instantly, including if they are a good fit for them. Others may say that we need to know somebody through their actions first before fully fully tra- falling in love. But I think it's a combination of those intense beginning feelings and the gradual reveal of the person melding with those passionate first impressions that makes a case for love at first sight. So I believe in it. Remember, modern dating relationships can be tricky. So taking these additional steps to validate our initial reactions can save us a lot of heartache later. It's no surprise that men are more visually stimulated creatures than women when it comes to attraction. Frequently, men make the mistake and experience lust or infatuation at first sight for love, but only to have buyer's remorse when the woman does not live up to their fantasies, but there is a civil lining. Both men and women can express love at first sight. It just might not be exactly the way they had expected. The discussions I've had with women on this topic reveal that for them, love at first sight is more of a process with layers that unfold quickly. And although they may not get an overpowering visceral reaction to a guy instantaneously, What he says, how he looks, his energy, confidence, and how she feels around him all create this possibility for love. And all of this can work for a guy also. All of this love at first sight. If he has created the space in his heart for new love while also taking the time to look beyond the woman's looks and his inner fantasies. And that's how it happened for me when I met the woman who became my wife about seven or eight years ago. On the advice of her sister, she signed up for a three day trial on a popular dating site. And then she posted a late night selfie without makeup and she winked at me because she liked what I had written on my profile. And at the time, I'd been happily dating up a storm online and I was getting, I was going to take a pass. But then there was a simplicity I noticed about her in that photo and especially in her eyes. And I studied her face and I reread her profile. And hers was more of a, hey, this is what I've been doing than the many package profiles I'd seen that were built to sell. So I decided to write back. And after a few short emails, we met up uh, on 72nd Street. And I arrived first on the corner, excuse me, 79th and Broadway in Manhattan. And when I arrived first, I climbed the steps of a church so I could keep my eyes out for her. And when I looked across the street, the person I laid eyes on was a very pretty lady in a green and white summer dress. I knew this was her and I could not take my eyes off her as she gracefully approached. And I was pleasantly surprised because she was even better looking in person than the photo online. I met her halfway as she crossed the street. And for some reason, I gave her a hug. We went to the 79th Street Boat Basin, and we've been together ever since. So I guess you could call that love at first sight. I didn't love her, but I did process everything to put me in a position and to be open for love. And I think that's half the battle, that you have to be open for new things in your life. And you have to have space in your heart. And as we will learn from our guest, Master Charles Cannon, you have to... uh, you know, live. You you have to be loving from the inside out, and once you do that, uh, miracles can happen. So let me tell you about our guest, and I'll bring him on right now. Uh, master Charles Cannon. Let's see. Let me just get his bio real quick. He is known as a worldwide modern spiritual teacher. He's given the title Master by his teacher to denote that he's a master spiritual teacher or one who can teach without words. And these. Spiritual teachers are recognized by their, by their presence, their holistic state of being, which effortlessly empowers everyone in their proximity. I'm sure people have experienced this. You meet somebody and you just have so much positive energy emanating from them. He's an acknowledged pioneer in the uh, evolution of human consciousness. And it's really, folks, all about consciousness. And I have a lot of questions about alignment and things like that. He founded the Synchronicity Foundation for Modern Spirituality in 1983, and developed high-tech meditation and the holistic lifestyle, which have helped transform the life of thousands worldwide. And he wrote a book a few years ago about uh, modern spirituality, spiritual uh, about the Mumbai, excuse me, about the Mumbai terrorist attack of 2008. That was very famous. Two were killed and four seriously injured uh, when 25 associates were held captive for three days. And uh, he got to be very known because of the positive uh, statements he made about that and the positive energy sent out about that. But this week, we're going to talk about his new book, Living an Awakened Life, The Lessons of Love and Forgiving the the Unforgivable, which is his other book. And he's a survivor of uh, the attack about his experiences and how he managed to remain compassionate and forgiving. So without further ado, um, I read his book over the past week, and it's really interesting because it's a 52, it's got 52 uh, uh, lessons, really, one per week in terms of how you can live a more awakened, loving life. So let's bring him on right now, Master Charles Cannon. Good evening, Master Charles. How are you?
1: <clears throat> I'm fine. How are you, Robert?
0: I'm very good, thank you. Thank you for, excuse me, for kind of stumbling a little bit on my introduction of you. Um, but uh, I have to tell you that I really enjoyed your book, and it uh, teaches a lot of wonderful lessons. So let me start, if I may, by asking you kind of how you kind of got on the path that you, you started on and when you, when you started on that path.
1: <clears throat> I started on this path when I was about three years old, actually. <laughs> I'm sort of a, a, a born mystic. Uh, as it were, and when I was three years old, I experienced uh, what, uh, in mystical understanding, would be uh, the experience of apparition. In the night, at the end of my bed would appear this light, and out of the light came this form uh, of a woman, and that form is What's called the divine feminine archetype, or in religious Mm -hmm. traditions, the Blessed Mother, the Divine Mother. And that apparition um, became my first teacher. It interacted with me and taught me uh, the basic principles, as it were, of uh, the spirituality, uh, the modern spirituality that I teach today. And that apparition. Uh, experience continued all through my childhood and into my adulthood and continues even to this day. But in my early um, 20s, <clears throat> I was told that I had to be uh, sent to a teacher because <clears throat> I had to experience the enlightening state of being modeled by another human being in order to really understand it. And that journey took me to India in 1970 uh, to the feet of a very great uh, Indian guru whose name was Swami Muktananda Paramahansa and I became his closest Western disciple and lived with him and studied under his thumb for uh, 12 years and, and also became an ambassador for him during that time traveling with him and without him all over the world, representing him. And then he died in 1982, but before that he had trained me and asked me to return to the West, to my country, and to find a way to modernize and westernize uh, all that he had taught me, the ancient and time-honored roots of uh, spiritual experience. And that became my journey. I settled in Virginia, where I am today, and uh, basically did what he asked me to do. And that became Synchronicity Foundation for Modern Spirituality and all of its work over the last 35 years.
0: Now, uh, this gentleman was he? Did he write Diary of a Yogi? Is that who? It was?
1: No, that's <clears throat> you're thinking of Paramahansa Yogananda, who wrote that's Autobiography right. of a Yoga.
0: Uh, right. <clears throat>
1: this was Muktananda. Many people knew him as Baba Muktananda. He wrote uh, the book originally published in the United States by Harper & Row called Guru, which was later okay. published again under its original title, which was called The Play of Consciousness. <clears throat> he became very well-known. Um, internationally he was perhaps one of the only gurus indian gurus of his level of enlightenment that ever left india and he became kind of a what we would call a johnny apple seed of awakening <clears throat> mm-hmm. uh, wherever he went he just awakened thousands and thousands of people all over the world and that had never really happened uh, outside of india before <clears throat> and that's how he became very well-known uh, in the West and had thousands and thousands of disciples and followers.
0: Now, uh, when you were three years old and you started to have these apparitions, and it's interesting because I've had a lot of other uh, spiritual uh, uh representatives if you will on the show and they've had similar experiences not exactly i'm sure what you experienced but they started as a kid and they had beings sometimes these seven foot beings of light or whatever come to them at around the age of three, four five years old and um i'm just curious what was your reaction when that happened was that uh, part of you know i have a three-year-old son and uh you know, is it, was it play for you at that point? And then you had to be speaking with your folks or whatever to sort out that, you know, you were on a different path? Or how did, how did you uh, integrate that into your being, if you will, at, at that young age?
1: <clears throat> well, of course, at that young age, it was play. It was wonderment uh, because <clears throat> it was a beautiful happening just to uh, perceive it, and yet the energy that uh, accompanied it was this profoundly loving and nurturing, happy, blissful energy. So there was no question of any fear in it. It was like the ultimate motherly embrace that you just trusted. And I simply watched. Uh, and uh, was captivated by it. Of course, I um, shared the experience with my mother, and we were. I was raised Catholic, <clears throat> and my mother was very much a devotee of the Blessed Mother <clears throat> and was very supportive of it. She didn't tell me it was my imagination or anything. She just said, oh, that's really beautiful, that's wonderful, you're very special, you've been blessed. <clears throat> Don't be afraid. Just enjoy the experience and share with me what happens. And so, uh, she became my confidant over those early years in, and supported and uh, nurtured the experience as it unfolded.
0: Now, as you went through your adolescence and, and teens and all that, how often did you have these apparitions? Then, uh, did, did the process? I'm just curious because it's so it's so um, wonderful. And uh, and it could be overbearing for you know a young a young person, but it sounds like it was a delightful experience for you. I'm just wondering how, as you kind of came into your own, h- how these apparitions uh, evolved, and how your relationship with the Blessed Mother evolved, and how when when was it that you had whatever happened the uh, trigger point or epiphany that said you needed to work with a teacher. <clears throat>
1: The experience, of course, unfolded over all of those years, and as I uh, grew uh, in maturity and understanding, the level of the discourse or interaction also uh, grew, let's say, in more uh, complexity as as I was able to understand it. But always the dialogue, the teaching was... Uh, along what I would call today holistic models of reality or holistic philosophical themes such as the oneness of all and everything, the unity within all diversity. And uh, that apparitional experience happened regularly several times a week all through my formative years and through my teenage years and into my uh, early adulthood, and it <clears throat> let's say it it rendered me uh, into a, a very mystical and spiritual person that became <clears throat> my uh, dominant value in life, <clears throat> and it was the the backdrop uh, against which mm-hmm. uh, I experienced all the rest of life, <clears throat> and yet I was told consistently by her to fully experience life, not to miss a moment of it, that every part of it was essential and that I should simply move through the experience that happened and not necessarily try to understand it, but rather just experience it, and that one day it would all make sense to me. It was like Mm -hmm. every part of my life experience was <clears throat> a, a preparation, as it were, for uh, what I would ultimately become and ultimately offer in uh, service uh, to others, and so that experience continued in that way, uh, even as it it does today, <clears throat> and up to the point of um, um, being guided to a living master, where I experienced um, that very powerful awakening uh, let's call it <clears throat> uh, in which i could understand why i had to be with a living teacher as a catalyst uh, of that awakened experience of, of awakening from the the dream of a virtual reality uh, and illusory reality into the experience of true reality and exactly uh, what that was and how uh, important uh, that could be uh, in one's life. <clears throat> so through it all, the the guidance of the Blessed Mother continued, and as I've said, continues even uh, today.
0: How can uh, you know? I think one of the things that's going on now in the the world is there's a lot of a lot of people who who want to. Uh, be more in touch, particularly men who want to be more in touch with their spirituality and maybe need to balance out the heavy uh, patriarchal aspects of our culture that we've lived in. And I think part of the president-elect is this all the anger and all that that came with a lot of the uh, supporters is about not wanting to let go of this patriarchal society. But it seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, Master Charles, is that... uh, it seems like we need to, for, particularly for men, that we need to, you know, people, guys get afraid when it's like, oh, nurture my feminine side. It's not, it doesn't mean you're becoming feminized. It's, it's becoming more balanced in terms of how you experience life. Could you talk to us a little bit about that, and then we'll get into the book?
1: <clears throat> well, Robert, of course, you're absolutely uh, correct. And I think the best way to uh, frame it uh, is to, Uh, recognize that we live in a relative reality and that all experience is relative. And there are always two polarities to our experience. Let's call those polarities the interior, the subjective, and the exterior, the objective. Or the interior is known Mm -hmm. as the masculine and the exterior is known as the feminine. And in all great wisdom traditions and great uh, philosophies of life, <clears throat> you find the most foundational principle that is taught is the principle of balance because it says that wholeness is proportional to balance in the relative construct. So we have to learn to live with balance in an imbalanced world. We are all mm-hmm. imbalanced automatically to the default objective to the world outside of us and we lose track of our subjective essence and thus we have to learn to emphasize and grow the interior in relation to the exterior and to keep the two balanced well that's another way of saying you have to keep the masculine and the feminine polarities within you in a state of balance Otherwise, Mm -hmm. you cannot be whole. And if you cannot be whole, you cannot be uh, completely fulfilled because fulfillment is proportional to wholeness within the relative construct. So, again, uh, whether it is now in the times in which we are living or at any time in uh, human history, that balance principle uh, has been taught and emphasized as the foundational principle of living an awakened life, of living uh, a life that fulfills our quest for wholeness.
0: Okay, thank you. Um, I know you have two books, and I kind of uh, tripped over myself in the introduction. Um, Forgiving the Unforgivable was about the Mumbai attacks in 2008. I'm going to hold that to the very end of the show because this is your new book, and it's called Living an Awakened Life, the Lessons of Love. And it's uh, broken into four sections where we go through the winter, the spring, the summer, and the fall, and there's a lesson and an action for every week of the year. And I've read through it, and I, you know, reading through it straight straight through, I know I have to go back, and I'm going to start in January, and read, and do the exercises that you suggest for each week. So I'm not reading 52 chapters in one week. I'm reading one chapter a week, and always go back and reference the book. And that's how it's laid out. And I think it's wonderful. Tell us how your you know, your envision is how people should read the book, why it's set up the way it is, what's the significance of the four seasons in terms of spirituality, and uh, what you want the reader to get out of the experience of reading your work.
1: <clears throat> well, I organized the material into the four sections of the book, or <clears throat> one for each season, because I I wanted to provide um, more focus, as you have uh, clearly expressed based on your experience of reading it. <clears throat> if you read the whole book, you read any book from uh, start to finish, um, let's say it could... Uh, diminish um, your focus compared to if you read, let's say, a chapter a day and took time mm-hmm. to contemplate it and and uh, uh, study it and apply um, its uh, material into your daily life. It's the difference of what I call concept versus experience. If we just have concept, then we have what I like to call an intellectual enlightenment, but we lack an experiential enlightenment. We have not uh, applied our intellectual content and turned it into the wisdom of experience. So by organizing the book in, in the uh, way that I did with the uh, four seasons, it was to command more of a focus that would deliver the experience of what the book is about, which is wakefulness, or the awakened experience, which uh, often is nurtured by a clarity of focus. So again, the whole premise there is focus delivers wakefulness – And wakefulness allows us to live a fully awakened experience of life in terms of the truth of who we are and what life is as one consciousness. Mm
0: -hmm. And that's it's first of all, thank you for that very articulate expression of what the book's about, but also for writing this book because. I, I, I'm at the, you know, I'm on, as I say at the beginning of the show, I'm a regular guy on a spiritual journey living a regular life. And, and, and now I'm, I think I'm at the point where I'm focused on but all the things I've learned from different guests and different things I've read and my experiences over the years is that it's about one of the most important things and where I am right now is about alignment. And I I start, the second I wake up every morning, I say, I am aligned to truth or I am aligned to my truth. And that gets me started for the day. Then I do a meditation. And um, tell us about the importance of this uh, alignment and how people, you mentioned meditation and you also mentioned that meditation is almost like muscle memory where you need to meditate on a frequent basis and if you don't have time to meditate you have to meditate even longer and the importance of getting in alignment and also the importance of meditation as a tool to help us in this busy crazy modern life to get in alignment because you say a lot of really interesting things about you know how we can connect with technology and it's not about you know, meditation is not about how people meditated up in the mountains in the Himalayas or did it, you know, a thousand years ago. There's a way of meditating in modern life that's actually the me- the the merging of biology and technology, I think, is how you articulate it. So if you could, and I'm sorry there's a lot to unpack there, but if you could just talk <laughs> about the importance of alignment to living uh, uh, from the inside out, being a loving, you know, having a loving experience uh, for, for your life and also uh, in terms of our, you know, how that is so important to uh, increasing our frequency, raising our frequency, if you will, so we're in a better position. Because I think what happens is people try so hard. They try to manifest. They try so hard at work. Everything is, you know, the society is based on, you know, you have money or you don't have money. And it's like winners and losers. And That's simple, but it's really not about that. It's about if you can get yourself in in line with the proper frequency, things should be happening to make you happier a lot simpler. (laughs) And I think maybe that's part of all of what you're saying is helping us to align ourselves so we can raise our frequency so we can be at a place where, we're enjoying life more. And I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll stop in a second. <laughs> uh, it's interesting. My wife, who uh, she uh, she's a, she works in the public education system, and she's the smartest person I know, and she also teaches yoga teachers. And she used to do social work, and she'd go into the worst, she's five foot one, she'd go into the worst neighborhoods. And I said, Weren't you concerned? And she goes, No, because I'm at where I am when I go into these neighborhoods. These things, they don't come, these negative things, they're not in my purview because I, I'm just not in that position I'm not in that space and I was like wow that was I'm like I have to I have to figure out how to get there so could you talk to us about this whole <clears throat> why it's so important to work on your frequency and your alignment without it being hard work mm.
1: <clears throat> Robert you're a brilliant man that you <laughs> Got all of that into.
0: Well, I'm, 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 I haven't processed it though. I know the, you know, I've got the questions, but it's you don't want to try to align yourself, but you want to do the work to align yourself because when you do the work to align Mm -hmm. yourself, your things become easier. And that's kind of where I am right now.
1: You're absolutely correct, and and your wife is a very wise woman, uh, because what she's talking about is what I call harmonic alignment. Mm-hmm. and that is alignment with our source. Uh, if we, we can call it source, we can call it spirit, we could call it mm-hmm. uh, consciousness, some people call it God. There are many names for that essence uh, that we all share, uh, the essence of our being, the substratum, the ground of being. And I like to use the word uh, consciousness or very simply life energy, the very Energy of life is an intelligent energy, a very conscious energy, and it is also innately benevolent. Uh, It's an innately harmonic, loving, peaceful, happy, joyous energy. So if we could just be aware, awake to that essence that we all share, then we come into That harmonic alignment and of course as you said it changes your whole frequency of vibration and you are then vibrating in alignment with the essence of all and everything the unity within all our diversity not only as a human being on this planet but Uh, through the manifestations of the same life energy through the 50 billion theoretical simultaneous Mm -hmm. universes to this one. So it's a very vast and powerful cosmic energy of which we are a part. And when you come into alignment with it and you are able to consistently remain wakeful within that alignment, magic happens. Uh, just as your your wife is describing, you are filled with that energy and love, which is its essence, replaces fear, which is an illusion generated by our minds and the stories we tell about who we are and what life is. <clears throat> so the more um, we can awaken to that essence, that truth, and live in alignment with it, uh, the more whole we are and the more fulfilled in our experience of life we become moment by moment by moment. And again, it's the difference between living a miraculous life in which you expect miracles moment by moment and living in a, uh, a fear-based, uh, uh, limited experience of uh, virtual reality that isn't even real. <clears throat> okay, so again, it's always about how we can awaken to that truth that we all share and bring it more fully into actualization in our moment by
0: moment experience. okay, thank you. Um... You talk about – so let's talk about some of the ways that people can do that because each week you have a lesson, you have a uh, you have an insight, and then an action and a, a something for them to do. And it's all on this path of it starts with the first one is true wisdom is self-love. I am love and therefore I can be loving. And it seems like really that's the core of the book, how to live from a posture, if you will, of love. And when you start with that and everything you do to nurture that throughout the year – you become if you can live from a from a choice of love instead of fear that's going to help all these other things kind of tumble into place you talk about humanity 2.0 this is a time that we can do this um, the the concept of oneness that we need to be reminded of because everybody's so compartmentalized but also you get into biology meets technology how we can kind of be friend instead of you say don't just unplug you can uh, you, can, you can work with technology, and you can also, if you unplug, you don't have to completely shut down. You can plug into other things, like plug into nature. And for meditation, there's a lot of different ways in the modern world you can meditate. You don't have to spend an hour or whatever. If you put in the quality time, you can find ways of meditating uh, you know, throughout the day. So some of these practical things, when there's a lot of practicality in this book that has very high concept, talk to us uh, about how the everyday person... You know, the guys, guys who are out there listening, and the women who love the guys, how people can start to incorporate these uh, lessons into their life, these insights and lessons into their life.
1: Um, at the end of the uh, previous book, <clears throat> Forgiving the Unforgivable, based on the Mumbai terrorist experience, in the epilogue, um, I wrote what I consider to be <clears throat> the bottom line of why we're here and what it's all about. And that is, we're here to learn how to love. Well, let's say that love is our very essence. It's another name for life energy or consciousness or source or that unity within all our diversity. And we have to learn to live in alignment with that essence of love. And the more we do, we fill ourselves with that love and we recognize that that's the truth of who we are and what life is within ourselves and when we bring it to full wakeful flowering in our own experience that's masterful experience that's enlightening experience that's the realm of all the mystics and sages and, and saints who have ever walked this planet in any culture or any tradition And when you can grow it in yourself and bring it to flowering, then you are going to fill yourself with it and it becomes your contribution to our world. You are also then able to recognize that same essence, that same love in everyone and everything you encounter because it is the essence of all that is. So Mm -hmm. the more you grow it in wakeful awareness of it in yourself, the more you perceive it surrounding you here, there, and uh, everywhere throughout those 50 billion simultaneous universes. But most importantly, it becomes the contribution that you make. You talked about it uh, in terms of uh, your wife and, and that frequency of vibration that changes and becomes more whole and benevolent and peaceful and loving and the contribution that it makes to your own experience and to the experience of everyone that you uh, interact with. Well, that's the same principle in any great master or guru or saint or sage. They have substantiated that frequency and increase the amplitude of its power. So you Mm -hmm. come into their presence and you sit with them for five minutes and you are entrained by that frequency of vibration into Mm -hmm. a correspondent experience yourself. You are empowered by their wholeness. You're empowered by their love. And it is totally transformative to the very roots of your being, so impactful that you can never forget it. Uh, It awakens you, and it embraces you in a way that you recognize its truth and that you must uh, fulfill this truth, as it were, in yourself. And then, of course, the ways to do that. You mentioned meditation and technology, and I'm, of course, known as a modern mystic because Mm -hmm. I embrace technology, I say, well, if, if consciousness is all and everything in essence, how can you ex- exclude technology? It's another form exactly. of consciousness. It has to be included into the one consciousness that is all. And in a meditative understanding, meditation is the most ancient and time-honored technique of balance that we know of. Because what happens when you sit to meditate? You close your eyes and you shift your focus from the dominant exterior to the non-dominant interior. And as long as you sustain that in duration in the meditation, you're creating relative balance, which allows your holistic awareness to expand and your perception of true reality to unfold. So that's precision Uh, balance within the relative construct but we live in the modern age you know it's like saying uh, why would you uh, drive a horse and buggy when you can have a modern automobile Uh, the answer is is obvious the modern automobile is more efficient and more precise and it's going to get you where you need to go much faster because precision yields efficiency in linear time and space well the same is true with meditation Why would we use meditation from 10,000 years ago in a cave in the Himalayas when we have technological meditation that can make the experience precise and efficient every time we use it and is based on a scientific understanding of balance and meditation in terms of an understanding of the human brain and the mechanics of how uh, meditation uh, works? and there are such technologies. I'm the originator of what was uh, originally called uh, high-tech meditation back in the early 1980s, where I use sonic technology embedded in meditative music uh, to assist people to have a precision meditation experience every time they use it. Then you're Mm -hmm. correct. It doesn't have to be so long. You don't have to Uh, sit for hours and hours and hours of meditation every day, which is what those uh, ancient masters did in those caves 10,000 years ago. They had 8 and 12 hours a day in their caves. We don't have the luxury of that experience uh, today. We have to be more precise. Can Can we get it down to an hour a day that would have as a result of our precision, the efficiency to deliver a correspondent state of wholeness today to what was practiced or delivered over 8 or 12 hours in a day 10,000 years ago? And the answer is yes. Now, most pundits or corporate coaches or medical doctors, et cetera, today seem to be saying more and more, that we live in the digital age and the speed of information processing every day is fragmenting and imbalancing and creating all kinds of stress, and therefore you have to periodically unplug. you got to shut off your computer, shut off your phone, shut off everything and revert to some 10,000-year-old technique of meditation. But that's a very uninformed perspective because meditation – 10,000 years ago required long periods of time to actualize measurable results, and we don't have that time today. So people unplug, they try classical meditation, it doesn't work, and then they give up. So rather, I say, no, you've got to harness technology. You've got to stay plugged in, but know how to harness technology to sustain balance while you're using technology. And does such technology exist? Yes, indeed, it does. You can play a technology uh, on an iPad or an iPod or an MP3 player in your pocket. You don't even have to hear it. You don't have to wear headphones. It will entrain balance throughout your whole energy field and become sort of a baseline balance that then is operative in the midst of whatever you are doing, whatever other technologies you are engaged with. This is the leading edge to me of consciousness Mm -hmm. creating the future of itself. It uses all its instruments, all its forms to fulfill its primary intention which is to ever more fully experience itself to ever more fully be whole and complete within itself so yes all of these technologies are available but they all go back to right where we started they put us in touch with that loving essence Mm -hmm. and we learn how to love and the more we learn how to love the more fulfilling uh, our lives are and the greater the contribution we make
0: to our world Mm -hmm. you also mentioned um you know unplugging from technology a little bit but plugging into nature um i know the technology for meditation can be more efficient but another way to do it that you mentioned kind of the it's a it's not an old school it's a it's an old school new school school classic school way is like plugging into nature i know for myself i live in Parliament in new york city and i've been in the city in different areas for many years and come from new jersey and it's always people 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 everywhere but there is a, a tangible difference the moment i step into central park the energy changes it completely and they do such a wonderful job with central park now i think that's part of it but there is a physical energy change and then i, I go for runs and a lot of times i'm about three quarters of the way through a run and maybe it's the endorphins or whatever, but I've had out-of-body experiences while running where my body's moving along and I am the trees and I am the flowers and I am the sky, and it's, it's wonderful, and I attribute that to, to nature. And if you can be, when you get into nature, if you can be aware of the nature around you and relate to it a little bit, and you mentioned uh, you know, taking a look at even at a house plant and then getting into a, into a vibe with it where you're acknowledging it. And that's, that's, that's plugging into nature, as simple as that. Talk to us a little bit about that, Master Charles.
1: <clears throat> well, first of all, the vibration, the frequency of vibration of nature corresponds to what we know as an alpha brainwave frequency. And alpha brainwave frequencies are the beginning of meditation and wakefulness. <clears throat> Um, So uh, just being in nature, you are going to be entrained to that frequency of vibration, which is uh, recognized and termed Schumann resonance at 7.83 hertz, again, correspondent to alpha brainwaves. Mm -hmm. And this is what happens when you meditate. You start to meditate, and you have dominant beta brainwaves, which are faster, the fastest of our brainwaves. And as you focus, you slow down the brain waves into the alpha, the theta, and the delta. And correspondent to that, the two sides of your brain, the two hemispheres, come into balance. And as they do, the whole brain proportionately lights up in function. And that's when you secrete all your neurochemical opiates and thus become um, what was termed by the ancients as the experience of blissful consciousness, an expansive holistic awareness in which you recognize the oneness of all and everything, and you are experiencing its innate nature, which is love and peace and bliss. So just being in nature can be a gateway, a powerful gateway to that experience and everyone mm-hmm. has had that experience you live in the big city you live in in a hectic life you're living with you know umpteen million minds stacked one on top of another in
0: mm-hmm. apartment
1: buildings and office buildings well they create frequencies of vibration too and you are affected by all of that high beta frequency vibration and then you step into the park <laughs> and there's There's just this oasis of a different vibration that slows you down and your stress goes away and your awareness expands and you feel peaceful and happy and content within yourself and you recognize that innate oneness of all and everything. So there are so many ways that you can embrace nature uh, to deliver that experience. I live... Uh, Quite the opposite of the big city experience here in rural Virginia in the Blue Ridge Mountains on a Mm -hmm. 450-acre sanctuary that is nothing but mountains and trees for as far as you can see. And I can sit here in my office, which sits up on top of a hill with wraparound windows, and all I can see for miles and miles in all directions is mountains and trees. Well, if I looked at those trees outside my window and thought of them as a tree that was separate and different from me, I would have a very limited experience of life. But if I can look at that tree and I can say, wait a minute, it's another form of life just as I am, another form of consciousness, then every one of those trees multiplies me magnifies me expands me to myself then everywhere i look and i see trees i see the expansiveness of life the multiplicity of life the diversity of life essential in its oneness yet diversified in its expression and it contributes to my experience of wholeness and fulfillment in life so yes there are so many ways <clears throat> of a more wakeful approach to life and especially to nature that can uh, deliver us to the most profound states of being and to mm-hmm. the most blissful states of loving consciousness
0: okay, fantastic. Um, uh, this is Guys Guys Radio. Uh, our special guest is Master Charles Cannon. His book is Living and Awakened Life, The Lessons of Love. Now, Master Charles, I know I mentioned uh, uh, your first book uh, about forgiving the unforgivable. Could you just tell us a little bit about what that's about so our listeners can uh, can tap into that and check that out? <clears throat> sure. Because forgiveness um, is something that you know. Forg- learning to forgive is uh, takes a big weight off of people, I think, and it's it's uh, 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 saying something like even like I'm sorry or seeing atrocities and people. It's so important to forgive. Yet, it's our culture is not a forgiving culture. Look at our president elect. He's very like finger pointing, very kind of vengeful in his comments, and it, mm. it's I have a real problem sending out that. A negative message but you have sent one out of love and I remember after nine eleven, I remember Richard Gere got up in Madison Square Garden and was kind of trying to tell the crowd to like be understanding forgiving of what happened and of course everybody went crazy on him at a very sensitive time but tell us about this book tell us why it's so important for the health of the planet and the health of the individual to forgive to learn how to forgive because not everybody knows how to do it mm-hmm.
1: I wrote Forgiving the Unforgivable in the aftermath of the Mumbai terrorist experience and I was there in one of the hotels with 25 of my students from different parts of the world uh, having an experience of pilgrimage uh, in India and during that uh, three day ordeal we were all held captive and uh, two of our Uh, people were murdered, and uh, four were seriously uh, wounded. In the aftermath of that experience, um, I appeared with um, the surviving mother of the two who were killed. It was her 13-year-old daughter and her husband, and she was not there on the trip. She was here in the United States. And when I returned, of course, we were besieged by the international media, and we sat in a very large press conference, and um, we were both forgiving and compassionate toward the terrorists. <clears throat> uh, this, of course, was a great shock to the media that we weren't, sure. uh, weren't vengeful, but they, mm-hmm. were, they were very empathetic, and that message went out all across the world, and we got thousands upon thousands of responses from people all over the world who said, number one, we had inspired them, and number two, they wanted to know how did we get to be the way we were and how could they Mm -hmm. be that way too. So in response to all those people, I wrote the book, Forgiving the Unforgivable, which details our experience of how, through that ordeal, we were able to maintain our wakeful state of being, that our years of practicing meditation and the holistic lifestyle had grounded us in that loving, benevolent consciousness that is compassionate and uh, forgiving, and that uh, anyone could learn uh, to be that way, too. And I spoke a lot in the book about uh, forgiveness non-forgiveness let's say is egocentric and forgiveness is trans-egocentric what do I mean by that egocentric experience is always based on what's called the illusion of separation that you as a subject are separate and different from all objects that you encounter that of course is illusion because in truth we all share the same life so there is no separation there is unity within our diversity. A trans-egoic perspective dissolves the illusion of separation and recognizes essential oneness. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so we're all evolving. We're growing from egocentric levels of fear-based separation and illusion <clears throat> into uh, trans-egoic levels of love, compassion, kindness, Uh, and forgiveness in the recognition of the oneness of life (coughs) that we all share. And I always uh, remember a a famous quote of the Buddha uh, who said, Being unforgiving (coughs) is like holding a burning coal in your hand with the intention (laughs) of throwing it at someone else. You, however, are the one who gets burnt. And I think that's such a powerful yeah. Uh, message you know if you are harboring <clears throat> unforgiveness or separation and the conflict that that creates and the resultant suffering you're the one who sufferings because you're holding on to it you're creating it and if you can recognize that you're creating your own conflict you're creating your own suffering then perhaps you can awaken <laughs> to the possibility of who you might be and what your experience might be without it. And then I often also say in relation to that, that, yeah, I could look at the terrorists and I could say, what a terrible person, full of fear and the negation of life and and violence and and conflict and suffering, and I could condemn that. Uh, But in so doing... I become the terrorist disciple. Right. I embrace the same negativity <clears throat> and violence in myself. Rather, I have to say no to that. I have to say, look, I don't understand your experience, but I have to honor it as appropriate for you. I can't understand it, but somehow, just in terms of <clears throat> the path of your growth and your evolution and consciousness... It's just as valid as my path is. But what's important for me is who do I choose to be in Mm -hmm. relation to what you are offering me. Uh, I can choose your experience or I can say, no, I'm not going to choose that for myself. I'm rather going to choose love. I'm going to choose peace. I'm going to choose harmony and forgiveness and kindness. I'm going to fill myself with that experience, and that will be my contribution. Your contribution can continue to be terrorism. and <clears throat> That's your contribution. But I'm not going to go there. <clears throat> I'm going to stay with uh, the contribution of love and truth and oneness and fill myself with it and endeavor to fill my world with the same. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so it is with uh, issues of uh, forgiveness and and again boils down to that that basic premise we're here to learn how to love and forgiveness mm-hmm. is an expression of love
0: it's so tough when uh, you know you live in a world and a culture it's all about retribution like tit-for-tat and that's not how I think uh, the great creator the consciousness is not about retribution or judgment Yet we are, and it 's so tough to kind of unpack that and get into mm. a place where we 're seeing things from a place of love and lifting up the vibration of the entire planet. I have one you it's so fantastic, and I 'm learning so much as as is my audience, Master Charles. Can I ask you one last question before we uh wrap up um, and oh, it's of for the listeners it's it's you know you were blessed with the aberrations you had as a child and the blessed mary there and uh, so many people are are not and uh they are trying their best at going on getting on a spiritual path and they're asking for some type of guidance and connecting with their guides and with their angels and with the source and 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 doing what they can to work from within to be the claim their worth and claim their their power, if you will, to create their lives. Yet, I think for so many people, it's so difficult to do that, to get there. And it's very frustrating because you know they think in terms of linear time. And as, as I think you would agree that time is not really linear. Everything's kind of happening at the same time. It's where we kind of align ourselves. How can the the everyday regular person uh what is the best thing they they can do to um not give up hope and 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 be able to raise their frequency and get into to the point where their life flows a little bit better and they can trust the trust you you say in the book that everybody's bombarded with really the, we're getting help all the time yet we're not being available to 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 get it what's the one thing that people can do to kind of jumpstart and get their process going, getting at a, get to a higher level, if you will. So, so they can be more in in line. I know it's a long term; everything takes a long time and all that, but for people who want to say, I want to get on this path. And and as you know, as we are in Western culture, everybody wants some type of results right away, but how can we get someplace where we can get something that keeps us going on our path?
1: (coughs) I think the most powerful approach is always to tell the truth. Be truthful with yourself. And what I mean by that is tell the truth of the one consciousness that is all and everything of which you are a part. If you can be truthful with yourself, then you are accepting yourself. You are including yourself into the one consciousness that is all and everything. And that acceptance, that inclusion then informs you that, yes, you are here to grow through your experience. You are here to evolve your wholeness. And yet, most importantly, you couldn't be more on schedule if you tried. Consciousness is so precise. huh? It is orchestrating 50 billion simultaneous universes, including each of us. And isn't it miraculous that we're all still here? Uh, the precision, yep. the beauty of the orchestration of consciousness that includes us. So whatever is happening in our life is appropriate. It's the experience through which our consciousness has determined we will grow the most. And that's why we're here, to grow, to evolve. So first be truthful. Mm -hmm. Tell yourself the truth. Acknowledge where your feet are. Acknowledge you're doing the best you can and that everything is appropriately unfolding. And as always has been said in the great wisdom traditions, When the student is ready, the teacher comes. Uh, (laughs) It's not necessary to go running out there looking for something outside of yourself. First, nurture the truth in yourself. Trust it. Watch it. And allow it to come to you in the way that it's supposed to. And it will. It definitely will because it already is. It's happening as your life is happening right here and right now where your feet are. Again, you couldn't be more on schedule if you tried. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: that's perfect. Thank you so much, Master Charles. Please tell our uh, listeners where they can find out more about you, your book, your other book on uh, forgiveness, just uh, and learn. Where, where can we look?
1: You can find everything about me at our main website, which is synchronicity.org, O-R-G. It'll direct you to all of our online uh, world and everything about us.
0: And how about the, uh, you had mentioned some of these uh, frequencies that we can tap into in terms of uh, what is alpha waves and what you have some type of uh, any programs on that that are featured on the site?
1: Yes, everything is on the site. That's called great. Synchronicity High-Tech Meditation, uh, great. <clears throat> or Modern Meditation. And Again, I am a teacher of modern spirituality at Synchronicity Foundation for Modern Spirituality. But all of that, in great detail, is on the website. So if you find your way to that platform, uh, you can discover everything about me and my world of synchronicity.
0: Well, listen... Uh Thank you so much, Master Charles Cannon, for being uh, on Guys Guys Radio. I know it might not be your typical stop along the way for your book tours, but um, we're addressing I'm a regular guy on a spiritual journey, living a regular life, and I'm doing everything I possibly can to help my listeners uh, get the word out there and learn more about how we can all be part of this consciousness Evolution and raising our frequency. So I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. I learned a lot, and just vibing with you on this show has really helped me, and I hope it's helped our listeners too. So thanks for all the great things you're doing, and please, please keep on, keep on, keep on.
1: Hey, thank you very much, Robert. It's been my great pleasure to be your guest, Uh, and thank you for the wonderful work that you're doing through this platform, and. Finally, I'll just say, may all blessings continue to shower upon you.
0: Thank you, sir. Okay, and uh, a Merry Christmas and a happy holiday season to you. And I. again, you've been fantastic, and I thank you for all the work you're doing. So, folks, that's our show for this evening. Our special guest has been Master Charles Cannon. The book is Living an Awakened Life, The Lessons of Love. Uh, As I mentioned, I've I've read it, but it needs to be really absorbed on a... uh, you know, weekly basis. So if you get a chance, pick up the book and use it throughout 2017. I think it'll really help. Um, We're coming to the end of the year. We have one more show. We have a podcast next week, actually next uh, Wednesday, the 28th, we have Hans Christian King, who's a psychic is going to be on here. He's been on before and he's does some wonderful work work also. So like I always like to say, uh, you know, keep on the good fight, everybody. Uh, Thank you for listening. And remember that, uh, Guys, guys, finish first.